teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe concludes his two-part message from the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1. So it's a reminder for Timothy, but it's also a reminder for us. You know, if we start dealing with certain things that, that are going on that God has us to deal with, and we're doing it out of anger, we're doing it out of frustration, we're doing it out of this, that, or the other, and we look to this grid and we're like, whoa, whoa, I, I'm not motivated by love. This isn't love that's coming out of my life. And that's when we should stop and we should say, Lord, forgive me. Wait a second. This is robbing my joy. This is robbing my peace, Lord. I've got no patience with this, Lord. I'm not being kind, Lord. I'm not being good even a little bit in this, Lord. I'm not being, you know, I don't have this faithfulness or this gentleness. And I certainly don't have self-control. And it's when we stop at that point and we say, God, I'm out of the spirit. And apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And it should bring us to that place as Timothy's being exhorted that, wait a second, we should be in the spirit as we deal with anything that the Lord will have us to deal with. So let's go back. Can you please? Verse six, and he goes on, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desire to be teachers of the law, again, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. So he's saying, you know, some have strayed from from the love. Some have strayed from, you know, there's they're, they're false teachers and, and they've turned aside and they're, they have idle talk. The idle talk, that word means vain talking or empty talking. They're, in other words, just talking, 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 but it's just empty. So it's a reminder for us. Verse six, and he goes on, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desire to be teachers of the law, again, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. So he's saying, you know, some have strayed from the love. Some have strayed from, you know, there's they're, they're false teachers and, and they've turned aside and they're, they have idle talk. The idle talk, that word means vain talking or empty talking. They're, in other words, just they're blah, 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 blah. They're just talking, 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 but it's just empty. So it's a reminder for us also as Timothy's being, being reminded it was so weird. On uh, just a few days ago, my wife and I were near the water over here by the ocean and all, and and we watched this man. He was he was feeding these the birds, you know, the seagulls and the pigeons. There are all kinds of different birds there, and he's just he's you know sweet. Seemed like a real sweet man. You could tell he's he, he's there often and stuff near the, the birds, and you can tell they're just flocking all around him, and he's just throwing bread out, and they're, they're all over the. He's throwing it up in the air, and they're catching it in the air, and he's just having a great time. Then he walked over by the hose. There's a hose over there, and he turned water on for the birds, and they're walking up and they're drinking the water and stuff, and, and it's just I was just you know loving watching that. But check this out. We're sitting there and somebody pulls up. And I've never seen this in my entire life. Somebody pulls up a man and his girlfriend or wife, whatever. He's got a cigarette in his mouth. He's going like this. He's got this big trap. 
And he throws it out there on the sand and he flops the things down like this. And then he gets out this rice. He's throwing rice all over the place and he's throwing bread out for the birds all over the place. And he's trying to trap the birds inside of this. I don't, I don't even know if that's legal. If you're supposed to do that, I don't think it's legal. But I'm watching this. I'm like, what in the world is this guy? Is this real? I'm thinking, it's like, is this real? I mean, this, this, this trap was like this big, you know? So he's, he's got that down there. And then he sits back down. And he's sitting there and picking, he's smoking his cigarette. He's waiting for the, the birds to come in. And he's waiting to get it, to trap them. You know, I'm like, not one bird went, went his way. <laughs> it was almost like I was watching the birds. They're almost like looking at, at him like, you idiot. You think we're just going to walk in your trap? <laughs> and I'm waiting and waiting thinking, well, in time, one of them might just wander over there to get some bread, you know? And not one. And finally, they, you know, finally the guy picked up his trap. You know, he's like all upset. And he throws it in the back of the truck. He gets in the truck. And he, you know, I'm thinking, what does he want? Is he trying to get pigeon soup or something? I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. Why I brought that up, I don't know. No, I'm just trying. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was, you know, thinking about how we can get astray. We can get in a trap. How we can stray off. Even these little birds were bright enough to think, that's a trap. I'm not going in that. But how often are we going in these traps? Like, oh, okay, that looks pretty good. And we walk over there and then we're trapped. We're like, what did I just do? And, you know, and I'm, it's about love. And we can fall into these other traps that seem right, but they're, but they're just a trap. And we can get caught up and get, you know, all tied up in things that are just not godly and we can waste so much time but we should know better we have the word of god we have warnings to stay away from those traps if it's of love if it's of god if it's godly if it lines up with scripture let's go for it but if 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 we find ourselves going outside of that if we find ourselves going outside of the love and outside of scripture we're, we're, we're being motivated by other ways and other things we need to get out of that trap So Paul, he's telling young Timothy, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from sincere faith, from which some have strayed and turned aside. They've been, they're going the wrong way. They desire to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, The law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless, the insubordinate, for the ungodly, for the sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, Paul says. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. But the law should bring us as Christians, should bring us to Jesus. Notice what it says, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous person. We're, we're righteous because of Jesus Christ as a Christian. Our, our righteousness comes to us by faith, the Bible tells us. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of works, lest any man shall boast. It's a gift from God. So, Knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous person. Uh, uh, In Galatians chapter 3, Paul reminds us that that the law is a tutor that should bring us to Christ. 
It's a schoolmaster that we might be justified by faith. We, we look at the law and, and I hope we don't miss this. You know, we, we, we look at the law and we realize we fall short. And, but there's some that teach, you know, you have to be saved by the law. It's legalism that you, you know, you keep the law. That's how you're saved. But it's no, no, knowing that the law is not made for the righteous person. So Paul's reminding Timothy, you know, the the law is for these that are sinners. They they need to see that they need Christ. They need to, to repent and turn to the cross. So he's warning Paul's, you know, warning Timothy about legalism in the church. Those who teach, you know, these things that you can be saved by keeping the law. You know, it's 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 not right, you know, but. The laws for all these people, this whole list. And if there's any others, kind of funny, if there's any other thing, I like that in verse 10, that's contrary to sound doctrine. So there's a big long list that that's what the law is for, to, to, to have people realize that they need a savior. But there's, I love this. There's this big long list, but then, you know, if there's something else I'm not on this list, then it, you know, that counts too. So whatever sin it is. So he's reminding them. In verse 12. He's reminding them of, you know, deal with false teachers, but also deal with legalism. Isn't legalism is so ugly, though. I just before we get to the next verse, isn't it? It's so binding. There's, you know, those that every once in a while they creep into the church and it's like, you know, are you keeping the law? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And it's just just like. And it can be so binding. The, the law shows us how terrible we are and it should bring us to repentance. It should bring us to the cross. So Timothy's being warned of that and to deal with that. And he says, verse 12, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. Paul's saying that Christ Jesus enabled him. He put him, counted him worthy to put him into ministry because he obtained mercy. He did the things that he did. He did ignorantly. You know, Paul's story Paul was trying to kill Christians. He, he thought that they were wrong. He, he put him in prison. He went after them, but it was ignorant. He, he thought he was doing it for God. He thought he was doing God a favor by doing this. So he's reminding uh, young Timothy that, you know, <laughs> thank you, Lord. Even though I blasphemed, even though I was an insolent man, I was, I was so terrible. But, but even though I did all those things, Christ found me faithful. He put me in ministry. He changed me. He redeemed me. And he's reminding uh, young Timothy of that. I just want to point out that insolent, an insolent man is, is one who's lifted up with pride, one who uses uh, insulting language. And that's exactly what he did when he was persecuting the church. Um, it's one who does shameful acts, wrong acts against somebody. And that's what he was doing. Lord, help us not to be lifted up in pride and, and fall into that category. So Paul's just you know, telling Timothy, Though I was so rotten, though I was so terrible, but God restored me and put me in ministry and is using me. Verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Wow. Wow. Those are some 
heavy words. The whole, I mean, just, I could just, as I'm reading this, I'm like, wow. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. And this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners. How true. But then for him to say, of whom I am chief. Paul's realizing that, you know, his realization that God was so gracious and so merciful to him and he should have been punished for what he did. But God just turned around and just showed him grace and mercy and forgave him. And he says, as he's writing this, he's like, he saved a sinner like me. And he's out, you know, that's what Christ came in the world for. But then to say that, you know, I'm whom I'm a, a chief sinner. I believe that Paul's saying, you know, the, the more you walk with the Lord, the more you realize how filthy you are. I find the closer I get to the, I remember being as a, you know, a baby Christian, I knew I'm forgiven. I knew I, you know, I messed up, but I'm forgiven and the closeness of Christ. And I'm like, oh, I'm so clean and I'm forgiven of everything. And, and this is so good. And I'm, you know, I'm going to heaven. And, and I think, you know, as we walk closer and closer to the Lord, as we, we spend more and more time and we see how holy and pure he is, it's like, oh man, I'm so filthy. And Paul, I mean, even to say the chief of sinners, and that realization. But I believe what can happen with that also is, what, you know, the enemy can come in during that time. And we need to be careful, you know, because, again, as we mature in the Lord, we realize how filthy we are. We, we realize what sinners we are. But then the enemy can come in during that time and say, yeah, you are filthy. You are terrible. And, and I'll tell you, he loves to kick us when we're down. Do you notice that the, the devil doesn't, ha- doesn't take off on Sabbath? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, <laughs> Do you ever think of that? Wouldn't it be nice if he just took off on Sabbath? It's like, you know, I won't get bothered. The enemy won't beat me up on the Sabbath. It's one day, you know. It's a, you know but no, no, he's, he's, you know, he's constantly there to kick you when you're down and to, to, you know, tell you how terrible you are. And I don't believe Paul the Apostle, you know, he's, you know, saying, oh, I'm like this false humility. He's just saying, I, I'm, I'm the chief. I, I'm such a sinner. Because God is perfect. God is, you know, holy and pure. No sin at all. He, he, he dwells in a, a, an unapproachable light. He's just, he's totally pure. But I love that part again. I want to repeat it. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Isn't that awesome? He came into the world to save us. I am so thankful that he saved me. He saved us from our sins. He saved us from hell. And Paul is just telling Timothy, Timothy, don't you forget that as you're ministering there in Ephesus, that we're all sinners and he's, Christ is out to save man. And he's abundant in grace and he's, he's, he's merciful. Verse 16, however, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. I believe here, Paul's saying, you know, for this reason, Christ had mercy on me as a, that I would be a pattern. In other words, that I could be an example, kind of like Paul's saying that if God can save me, he can save anybody. 
And I know I feel that way sometimes. I like, you know, if, if, if God can save me, he can save anybody. Sometimes there's, you know, different people in my family or different people that I know. And it's like, sometimes I'll even, I've had that mindset, like, there's no way this person's getting saved. <laughs> Do you ever think that about someone? It's a terrible thing to think, but I thought, there's no way. And then I, the, the Lord reminds me, I saved you. And then I look back at my life and how terrible I was and how, how dark I was and the garbage I was doing. I was like, I can't believe God saved me. And Paul, I believe, is giving Timothy that picture that I, I'm a pattern. You can use me as a pattern. I was terrible. I was blaspheming God. I was killing Christians. I was, I was terrible. Use my testimony to say, if God can save Paul the apostle, God can save anybody. Now to, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is crazy. When I read this, I'm like, he's just breaking out into praise. This is what he's doing. It's almost like Paul the Apostle, he's writing this letter to Timothy, and he's realizing that he got saved, and he's realizing that he was a chief of sinners, and he's realizing that he was in such darkness, and God was so merciful, and then he just starts breaking out, and he can't even help him. You know, it's not even like he's breaking out in praise, but he's probably thinking, I'm going to write this down as I'm praising the Lord. And he's just writing down his praise to the Lord because he's so thankful for his salvation. So he just pens it and he just writes it. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God alone, who is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And he's just praising the Lord. And I, I wonder if he has a hand up while he's doing, he's writing, just praising the Lord, thinking, you know, just praising God. He's just writing at the same time. And this is after many years after Paul has been saved. And I just want to use that to say, you know, do you still have that zeal and that excitement over your salvation? Do we still have that excitement that, that God saved me, the eternal, the all, you know, the all knowing, the all, and, you know, we should keep that excitement for our salvation. I don't care if you were saved when you were five years old. He, he saved you. And he just breaks out into praise in verse 17. This charge I commit to you, Timothy. According to the prophecy previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme God. Wow. He ends this chapter at least by charging Timothy. Commanding Timothy. I thought it was interesting that this charge that he gives him, it's a, it's a military word that he's charging him. It's a military command. And he's commanding him to, to wage a good war, to fight the good fight. So he's, he's, it's almost like a, um, an officer commanding you know, those underneath him. And then, so he's, he's charging him. He's commanding him. Basically to, you know, to fight the good fight, to not to give up and to, to wage a good warfare. And then he says, having faith and a good conscience. So wage a good warfare, having faith, meaning, you know, keep, 
you know, he's just exhorting them to keep trusting the Lord as you're, as you're ministering there in Ephesus. And a good conscience is a, I believe, is meaning it's a result of a pure life. So he's saying, you know, wage a good warfare. You keep fighting. You're in a battle over there. But also keep trusting the Lord and have a, a good conscience. Stay in that, that pure place. It's a good reminder for anyone here, actually for all of us, but especially if you're in ministry, to realize you're in a war, you're in a battle, and wage that good warfare. Get in there, realize that there's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. You're fighting an enemy that you can't see, but guess what? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, and Christ is for you, and if he's for you, who could be against you? And you keep fighting that good fight of faith, and you're going to grow in the Lord. He's going to stretch you, and you're going to watch him do great and mighty things. And with that exhortation with faith, just a a reminder, you keep trusting in the Lord. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in others. Others will fail you. Others will mess up. But you put your trust in the Lord and watch him work. There is no greater than him. And you need to trust that and know that. And the exhortation is going out again like a military command. And the good conscience, I just want to exhort those of you who are here to live that pure life. Put away anything that's going to bring, you know, that's going to taint you in any way. Live that pure life. And when you mess up, go to the cross. Allow the Lord to purify you again and keep holy and keep pure that you can have a good conscience. That's one way where the enemy can just take people out. You know, someone messes up and they don't go to cross, go to the cross and on their mind, their conscience, like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that, or I can't believe this happened. I can't believe in, well, it did. Get up, repent, turn, go to the cross, go forward. Because you need a good conscience. And Christ wants to cleanse even your conscience and cleanse your past. And once it's brought to the cross and once it's repented of, it's over. Don't let that continue to keep you from from ministering and being used in any capacity or just to to go forward in the things of God for your daily walk. The enemy loves to beat up the mind. The enemy loves to, to come against your thoughts and loves to plant those things into your head. Well, ask the Lord with this passage, Lord, give me a good conscience. Wash away that past that's in my head. But did you notice that some have rejected this, Paul said? And he names two of them. And he says he delivered them over to Satan. That's heavy. I don't think, you know, he, like Paul, Paul took the two guys and said, okay, Satan, here you are. Here, here's, here's the two guys. They're, they're all yours. And he walked away like this. I, I don't believe that's what it means. I believe these two guys walked away. These two guys, you know, strayed and, and did their thing. And maybe time after time, it was hurting and hindering the ministry in Paul's life. And Paul just said, that's it. I, I'm done with you guys. You guys want to keep doing it your way. You guys want to keep, you know, you know, being rebellious and rejecting and not listening. You guys do what you want to do over here. But I can't be your covering. I can't be a part of this. I can't be a part of your life. I'm letting you go. And I don't believe he did it where he's delivering him to Satan in a way where he's like, aha, now get him, Satan. No, I believe he did it in such a way where he's thinking, oh Lord, please let them repent. Let them see their error. Let them see their faults. And I know, and I believe 
Paul's heart where, yeah, he might have delivered them over and let them go. But I believe as a good pastor and a good apostle that Paul the Apostle is, he probably prays for them every day. Because there's people in my life that have come and gone, and I pray for them every single day. Not that they'll be delivered to Satan forever, that they would be just cast out. No way. That's not Paul's heart. That they again would turn and repent and seek the Lord and be restored. The throne of mercy It's the sound of our singing praise It's the sound of our singing praise You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing praise.